Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening, and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, my binaural, oh, why did I mess that up, binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything there you need. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Solaris Blue Raven, and she has a bunch of books, a documentary, a podcast, a radio show and all kinds of other stuff. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate that. Yeah, this is awesome to finally get to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I have been reading one of your books, and, um, and you really are very knowledgeable in a lot, a lot of areas. I have to admit, it's really impressive. Uh, the book I've been reading is Alien Intelligence, Stepping Up into the Galactic Neighborhood. Well, um, thank you. And I'm really impressed by it. Um, but one of the things I also is, I would like to hear the story of how this all started with you. I know somehow it involves Neil Peart. It does, initially, back in the uh, 2004 induction, yeah. So I have to dial back into 2004. Do you want me to go ahead and give you the rundown on that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, initially, back in 2004, uh, for those who don't know this case, I, was, uh, I sent a book to Neil Peart. Transmutation Through Ascension, which is a book based on spirituality and consciousness. And the reason I did that was because I had a um, kickboxing student at the time who had mentioned something about Neil. We were playing some music in the background and it was Rush. And he managed to say that, you know, he talked about this tragedy he had and I did not know because I've been you know, not paying attention to them. And so I sent my book as kind of just a way to, uh, you know, just, just a spiritual enlightenment book. Uh, so I sent it off to him and within uh, about a week's time, I had all kinds of weird going on. I had plants in the area. My computer was tagged and key logging was being done, my phone was hacked, um, and eventually I was interconnected light being real-time with the communication system, which was based on synthetic telepathy and psychotronics and a lot of different covert type of warfare programs initially inducting me into their program. The uh, people involved live feed real time was Michael J. Mosbach and the band, and there were um, other, other aspects to it were con connected to control departments, but the initial operators were them. And that's how that started. And if people want to know the reason behind why I even thought about sending it to Neil was because back in the 80s, I had communication with him in the past and I had sent some of my work to him because people said I used to write like him. So I just, I sent something in in a contest as a kind of a tongue in cheek thing. He was doing a drum solo contest. So I sent my work, um, some poems in there and I just kind of said, I'm not a drummer, but this is what people say. And, you know, so I sent it to him and he was, I guess he was amused by it, but he always sent me a postcard and I had had communication with him since then, since the 80s. So that's one of the reasons I felt like I, you know, I should send him my book. So that's how that started. And it's really interesting because you really, people who know the band or listen to their music don't really get what's really going on behind the scenes. I love their music in the past. I used to really enjoy the, listening to it. But when you look into the technology aspects, the synthetic telepathy, the psychotronics, the covert warfare, the types of communication systems that they, they inducted me into 
are exactly what they use in this type of a, a communication for high profile bans and people in government, military, covert operations, et cetera. So that's after I started breaking down the tech, I realized that's what it was. That's a long kind of version, but my book, Either Remote Black Operations and Areas Beyond 52 covers this. And also my, my documentary, Either Remote of Disclosure and Covert Technology. There's a lot more to it. I had to testify in court in 2006 and a lot more with my handler. So it was, it was pretty intense. Wow. And you also mentioned about how traumatic it was afterwards. Like your life seemed to really fall apart afterwards. Oh, it did. They destroyed my life. It was literally gutted. I, I was so happy. I mean, you're talking about somebody who had the perfect life, perfect husband, perfect career. Um, prior to the induction, everything was beautiful. I lo absolutely love my house. And I love my life, my husband and everything mm -hmm. around me. And this uh, extracted me out of my home for programming. It, it inducted me into the program with the interconnected technology with my handler and swept away everything within four months time I was divorced. And I was literally being handled and it's almost like remotely controlled. I mean, it's the weirdest thing ever. And uh, for people who don't think that's possible, remote brain hacking, yes, it is. And it's very serious business when they start interfacing your brain, your psyche, your consciousness with a technological program, because man, you just don't know what's gonna happen. And I'm lucky I got through it, um, but I'll tell you, it was not easy. Yeah, I mean, I know this stuff has been going on forever, you know, mm -hmm. further back than probably what documentation I have access to. Um, how did they do it to you, and why did they choose you to do it too? The technology from my own research and the way I've been decoding it with other technology, uh, people who have actually built some of this technology is satellite-driven technology remotely accessing a target by remote, basically. So if they're doing a scan on you on an electromagnetic field, your neural circuitry, your whole bio suit, your bio field gets scanned remotely. Uh, it can be via satellite, electro electromagnetic um, impressions and imprints can be taken. And at that point, they can just interconnect a signal onto the brain. So they're using a heterodyning kind of signal, interconnecting you live feed real time with a communication system. And that's where the handler pops in and says, is you know, live feed real time communication. Once they have you wired in with a synthetic telepathy in the neural interface, they'll literally use a different command program, which is based on artificial intelligence, which is more about just programs. And that happens too. So there's a lot of that. There's real time and then there's the Memorex programming that happens. But the whole thing is remotely done via satellite black technologies, under, uh, interconnected and also underground facilities. So you're dealing with that kind of a uh, type of technology. So is this like that type of sound weaponry that they use in like Guantanamo Bay? Or is this um, more like psychic warfare? No, it's not a sound weapon. I, I talked to Preston Nichols a long time ago after I was inducted and he said it was very exotic. He couldn't even pinpoint what exactly it was. But he knew it was an exotic exotic technology he'd not heard of. But it also um, connects into the satellite-driven field. And so far as it's not just one of those things where it's aerial and you're just getting influenced by it, like what you're describing. This is more about interconnecting you one-on-one -on -one with a neural interface, synthetic telepathy communication system, which is encrypted to some degree because you're there communicating with a regular sentence like you and I communicate, but you have a live handler real time. And you get a lot of other impressions as well, like remote piloting. I, mean, I, had, I had a lot of pattern recognition and programs they were training me in. That were more about size spy, so so that's how that rolls. So it's just kind of like, um, like say for example, our brain is a computer and it's connected to a network. And one day we're chatting with a person, and then that person infects you with a virus and it just takes over. Well, that's a little abstract view, but if you look at us, we're all cosmic beings. We have the multidimensional design, so we're dealing with consciousness. We're always streaming consciousness. We're transmitters and receivers. And if you're like me, who's kind of wired naturally to dial into to multidimensional realms and very, very psychic naturally, remote viewing naturally. All this does is boot you up, interconnect you, and it pulls you away from the cosmic design and puts you into the artificial intelligence world. So it's almost like a step into transhumanism to some degree. Uh, but it's very dangerous in my opinion, because when you're dealing with multidimensional consciousness, it, you don't know how it's going to go. Um, 
in my opinion, I think it can be a very dangerous weapon. So why are they using it and why did they target you? I was never sure insofar as why. In other words, um, I look at it like I was a good candidate. That's the only way I can think of it. Because at the time I was in my peak, I was really fit. I was training, doing martial arts, teaching martial arts. I was kickback, uh, excuse me, kickboxing champion, seat champ. I was doing all kinds of wonderful things. Uh, I felt like I was really, really at the top of my life in my game. And in my opinion, I made a good candidate for the technological interface. That's, that's part one. Part two is that I think they had some kind of recruitment in mind. And I'm not sure exactly how that went, but something got weird along the way. So, uh, but I was asked to come to California by Michael, uh, Neil Pert's right-hand man, before I went to Colorado to testify. And I don't know why he would have wanted me in, in California if, uh, you know, it just didn't make any sense to me at the time. This was back when I was having communication with him. Hmm. Um, so how, how did you combat it? Like, like, well, first of all, actually, how did you realize, figure out what was going on with you? Like, I would think, like, if I was being psychically attacked, I would probably just automatically assume, all right, well, I'm just going crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think a lot of people who are not calibrated to the occult, supernatural, or haven't done a lot of spiritual work would probably think that. I knew immediately it was manufactured. It's just because of my own way of streaming consciousness and how it works with regular telepathy, regular consciousness, regular psychic energies. I knew this was technological and it was also very tactical. Plus, I remember them actually um, interfacing a signal onto my chest cavity, which was measured by Steve Colburn in my documentary. You can, that's actually measured. So you've got all that going on. Um, so, you know, in so far as people being able to see um, or, or understand what the technology is, I think it would be very hard for them. And most of the time, I think that's what they're counting on. They're counting on people having a breakdown, looking crazy, looking, cr you know, like they just don't make any sense or whatever it is. I mean, almost like a targeted individuals, but the whole time they're being interconnected with the tech. But I knew it was I knew it was manufactured immediately. It's just my gnosis of understanding. And I was right. So hmm. how many it, it, how does this connect with my labs? Well, in, in so far as military abductions go, I think it has a big, big connection because when you're a contactee, and I've talked about this before in some of my presentations, maybe even my book, but the idea behind a contactee is that they have direct access to an off-world species, an extraterrestrial or a hive collective. And with that comes data, different space time, different information. So when you're looking at what's going on there, um, the, when the military abductions know that you have contact with something that they can't control, whether it's sensitive data that they can't access, they'll want to interconnect you with their technology, extract you into that program, which is military abduction, then put a screen memory into the interface, which is like a psychotronic screen, so that you're sitting there with it, almost like a delusion, which is formulated by them, which is creating a screen of programs which aren't accurate to create a scrambling and distortion versus your real accuracy with what you're experiencing with extraterrestrials. That's my own impression. I, I really, um, after looking at this for many, many years, it's, uh, you know, that's what I've come across and on many, many levels with a lot of people. Is my labs using uh, people's astral bodies as weapons in warfare against their will? I think so. That's a great question. I, I really believe because we're multidimensional that every aspect of who we are gets attacked and inter indoctrinated or extracted into their program. So yeah, psychic attack or astral control. Um, if you're really powerful as an astral traveler, then you'll be able to kind of break the barrier, so to speak. If there's something that's trying to handle you or control you, I think you can get through it. But the digital interface and the remote brain hacking right now is very popular. And it's been assaulting people at night when they're trying to dream. They're getting real digital kind of like streaming programs running, but they're not really dreams. They're not nebulous. They're not like they're in control. So that's something I watch for. Who's in charge of my labs, do you think? I don't have a direct answer for that. I always like the CIA reeks to me on a lot of levels. Alphabet agencies for sure, but I look at it more militarized, global military, 
I would have said Air Force Beyond, um, Black Military, Black Sciences Departments, those who want to create the distortion, and those who have access to what I call the exotic tech. You think this has anything to do with the Illuminati or reptilians? You know, people talk about that a lot. I have not come across that. I would say that the controllers, yeah, whatever you want to call them, uh, definitely are, um, I call them the 1%, but, you know, people like that who want to control the rest of the masses, yeah. To some degree, I would say they probably have something to say about it. With this technology and the artificial intelligence, are they able to use it on, you know, an entire population of people, like say an entire country, like the United States, and just sort of put their own free will in the background and just have that artificial intelligent program run? Mm-hmm. Well, they can do remote brain hacking and also do a hive collective brain hack. So in other words, yeah, you can use a signal to interface globally onto a collective to, and it's like a brainwave entrainment. So you're using a signal to entrain everybody's brainwaves to uh, kind of calibrate to the machine worlds of their version. And then with that comes, <clears throat> excuse me, a program which runs and actually connects into behavioral pattern and behavior modification. So yeah, they can do all sorts of stuff. And that's been available and accessible for many decades, in my opinion. I, I'm surprised I didn't use it sooner. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Do, do you think that uh, everybody that we encounter is human? Or do you think that some people are clones? Well, um, Coming from where I've been, I think you can have a synthetic alter, which is based on artificial intelligence, which would look like a clone personality overlay onto a target. So that can happen with contactees. It can happen with people in my labs. It can happen with people who have been where I've been. So, yeah, that's very, very popular in my opinion. So, yeah, you can have that going on. But there's still star beings. I mean, there's still cosmic beings. We still have our essence of origin, which comes from the stars. Sometimes people get tampered with. And, and that's why when I when people get interfaced, even with myself when I've been, I've always kept my compass to the to the cosmic design work versus anything uh, synthetically created from here. How do you identify somebody who's a star being versus an AI or clone? Well, star beings really have, <coughs> excuse me, I should probably take some water, but they have a resonance. They have a frequency signature. It's very light body. It has a light field. It's a really high, refined, multidimensional field. I call it light body to Merkaba, but they've done a lot of spiritual work. They usually have a cosmic ancestor that they're very familiar with, which means they have a lot of remembrance of off-world intelligence, off-world design, their celestial heritage. They are usually very advanced in some formula or design. They have memories and recall of things on and off-world. So the ones that are star beings are very, very enhanced and evolved and are direct descendants of the visitors, which is our bloodline to some degree. I mean, we're all part of the stars, but it really surfaces through their DNA frequency activation when they're really doing the work. And all of a sudden they're getting more and more data codes connecting in and they start accessing more galactic energetics. And that really puts them in that sphere of higher consciousness. And that gives them all the data. But it shows. They shine bright. They shine very, very bright here. Well, I don't know. Like, like for me personally, like I can – I see people and, you know, right away, like a lot of times I'm just like, I don't think oh, this person's entirely human. You know, they're just sort of like – you just kind of tell that something's off. But when yeah. it comes to meeting people that – might be human. I get a little messed up sometimes. Some right. some beings are very tricky. They're hard to read. Well, I always like, I never resonate with the word human, period, because it's been kind of a, a disservice yeah. to the global collective. And I've, I mention that often in my books because it's saying, oh, you're only human. Everybody's human. No, we're not. And and we have to understand that we're very vast celestial beings in, in our suits and our bio suits here. We're very divine beings, but we have been lied to and, and many people have been brainwashed over decades and centuries they don't remember they don't know who they are and that divine spark which shines bright i mean they don't need uh, to be part of any matrix that controls them 
That's absolutely true. It's enslavement, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think the whole purpose of this enslavement is? Is it like in the real, like in the Matrix, where they're using people as batteries, or is the fear, the fear and anxiety that they seem to be trying to create? some type of energy that they're feeding off of. I think they're frightened of the people, the beings, what I call the star beings, those of us who can activate at a higher level. I think it's about fear and control, controlling a narrative, creating a false matrix and keeping everybody in that false matrix. Because when you're independent in thought, you're you're navigating multidimensional space. There's no limitation. There's no national security. You're, you're you in the multiverse. They're terrified of that because you, you'll wind up getting so much information. They can't control it. They can't sanitize it. They can't censor it. So I think that's part of the problem is keeping them ready in a stasis here so they can't access that higher realm so that they're not getting the information they need for their own navigation in spirit. And, and you know, it's been working very well if you, uh, <laughs> you've noticed over many, many moons. So. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I always believe, too, just like you, that the biggest fear of governments and religions is people finding out actually how powerful they actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing, I think, scares them more than that. Yeah, and knowledge is power. That's one of the most uh, powerful things you could possibly be, is having the gnosis of understanding, a direct link to creation, understanding the cosmic design. I mean, that's a huge amount of information. They want to censor everything. You know, you've seen it all on mainstream in the linear worlds. I mean, my goodness, it's outrageous. And now that they've indoctrinated people into the lie, they want to keep everybody there in the lie. It's, it's absolutely horrible. So that needs to break. Uh, at some point, I'm sure it will, because uh, people are designed to ascend and evolve, not not be designed to go backwards. Have you received any pushback within, you know, the community that sort of like you and I sort of belong to, like the UFO type of conspiracy, you know, Enlightenment, New Age community? Have you received any pushback for for information that you're putting out? Well, I think I'm like the Harry Potter of that. You know, I'm the one with the scar on his forehead. I, I have a lot of wonderful data that's accurate, but they, didn't, they don't tend to pay attention or sometimes they'll try to steal it and copy and paste that. I've seen that going on. Um, I'm rarely at conventions. I mean, when I get asked, it's really nice, but they don't listen. But they, their first one is to kind of steal my data. So I've had that kind of thing going on where they want to be the ones controlling the narrative and uh, they don't want someone like me kind of ruffling it all up. But I can break the paradigm and I have a lot of information coming from where I've been with my mm-hmm. interface. And it's been a, you know, that's, that's a powerful interface so, uh, yeah, they should be paying attention. Right. To me, it seems like there's like almost two schools in this type of uh, environment that we're in with like, you know, in our particular community. And, you know, one is the disinformation and one is the real information. And it's becoming more and more difficult to tell who's who because everything's sort of getting mixed up like in a blender. Right. I agree. That's they scramble it. That's just the whole thing. It almost reminds me of CIA. Because that's what they do. They take things and they, they kind of create the disinformation campaign. And then there's people are getting confused. They don't know what's right, what's not right. And I have to say, a lot of people that are speaking out there don't, don't have the answers. They're not even close to accuracy. And it's just like, you know, that's why I throw my hands up sometimes and walk away. Because I just break everything down scientifically, technologically from where I've been. And then I go on the spiritual consciousness aspects of where I've been with my capabilities. And these guys aren't paying attention to a lot of that. So, yeah, there's all that going on. And that's why I... Um, I'm kind of disgusted with the scenery right now, to be honest with you. So that's why I write my books. I just keep rolling with my own information. Right. Has anybody tried to shut you down? Really, I wouldn't say shut me down. I, I would say initially when I was writing either remote, I was having some some problems with the uh, technology trying to stop me from writing the book. I think that was going on quite a bit with the interface. And, uh, you know, really just pushing really hard to control my brainwave thoughts and my information and the data codes that I know are correct. That was going on. I've had people in the past warn me, you know, physical people that showed up in the past, but nothing, 
nothing huge, um, but I do know that I'm not their favorite. So, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. I'm still here for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I know they've come after my technology, like they wiped out my computer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, well, I am the computer. So I, don't <laughs> care. I have everything backed up anyway. I, I've learned to do that since then. <laughs> yeah. Exterior drives are your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you have to get your stuff offline as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do we how does one like like first I'm trying to think like like you know, we have these people that are AI and then we have, you know, star beings. Are the people that are AI can they be upgraded to be well, like star beings? Is there a way to help them? I would say that people who get interfaced with technology can go and break the cycle, break the program if they start reconnecting and reconfiguring with their higher self or self superconscious, their celestial design work, the benchmark of who they were before they showed up here. Sure, they can certainly do that. Um, I I think that a lot of this quote-unquote AI stuff, you know, you have to remember that man's version of artificial intelligence is their version. It's a linear program. It's not that great, in my opinion. I think it's very primordial and it has a lot of problems with it because of the command programs they use that are based on their belief systems. And when you're a spiritual consciousness being, you can break this like, well, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. That's what I was doing. I was busting it right and left. So my point is that they can reprogram. And it takes some, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. If you're a strong soul spirit and you know your benchmark of origin, you can break through it. Um, but if you're just one of those people that want to go with the flow and you think you're going to get an upgrade to be super smart, they're not, they're not going to do that. They're going to take you down. They're not, des- they're not going to keep everybody for transhumanism. I'm, I'm sorry to say, I think it's more about control manipulation, experimentation, and seeing what they can do to make you subservient to their commands. Interesting. One of the other things that you mentioned in your book is that a lot of the aliens that we encounter are actually part of this program. They're not actually aliens, that we are the aliens. Correct. Yeah, we're the star people. We're the celestial beings. I've always said that, you know, we're light beings, whatever you want to call it, energy beings. We are the divine. We are extensions of the visitors. We are the descendants of the visitors, which are extraterrestrial. That's what they call. But my point is, yes, and, and we should be um, acknowledged as such. And I think that's where we're dealing with national security insofar as trying to control, manipulate extraterrestrial intelligence. Because if we show the remnant of our cosmic ancestors, then we are in a, a threat also. And, and you're seeing this more and more today. I think there's a, a big problem with uh, a collision course connected to that. What kind of collision course? Well, a collision course meaning that the people that are super super connected to their higher self and their multidimensional design, the starseed consciousness design, versus uh, the people that want to control and manipulate here and keep you in that stasis where you don't learn, you don't grow, you don't evolve, you don't ascend, you don't get to connect with uh, any type of off-world intelligence, you become dumbed down and switched off and then get integrated into some kind of a command programming where you become subservient to the agenda, which is really just about sh- you know dimming your light, in my opinion. It's, 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 a con- it's confining you. It's an imprisonment. Can someone just be overdone with logic? Like, for me, sometimes if I just look around... I'm like, there's all this stuff that we just don't need. We don't really need money. We don't need government. We don't need any of it. Correct. And that's yeah. just simple logic. Yeah. Well, you, well, most people are logical. <laughs> yeah. It's common sense. It's a 101. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. Like, like, like there's always some a-hole, go, oh, who's going to build the roads? My answer is like, anybody could build a freaking road. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they have to let go of the wheel. That's the bottom line. There's so much into controlling and bottlenecking and material information, you know, data. And most of their data is incorrect anyway. But, yeah, it's it's no good. Interesting. Um, One of the things that you mentioned in your book is that 
the AI is concerned about one of the reasons the aliens always show up at nuclear military facilities is because of the nuclear weapons. And that if we use the nuclear weapons, it would tear a hole through the matrix and really mess up their plan. Um, why can't we just do that? Why can't we blow a hole through the matrix with some nuclear weapons? It's just go for it. Well, uh, I, I'm pretty sure at some point that probably will happen. <laughs> There's an awful lot weird going on, especially when I look at the old, um, when I never saw the footage, but the idea behind those particular sites, to me, it seemed like an operation or a beta test to test and see how their exotic technology would work against um, a defense department or an area that's very sensitive, high sensitive information. But yeah, they're, they're constantly tearing a, 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 you know, they're tearing up the fabric, so to speak. That's going on nonstop, whether it's a weapon system, but when now they've got the aerial warfare going on, then that's the low Earth orbit satellites plus more of these transmissions and frequencies that are non-productive, not attenuating to the cosmic design, which are running more interference patterns. So I see that as a big distortion in the field. And that is creating more and more um, just tears in the fabric and things that are coming in. And it could be even more connected to the entities and such that are non-productive entities, so to speak. So, yeah, that's going on. That's all the weaponization of them or the global intelligence, global military. Operal intelligence will intercept at some point. I'm, I'm sure of that. Hmm. I'm sure. Interesting. Again, you know, I know somebody who has an idea that makes it to make a device that would completely undo this whole thing. Maybe some great minds to, out there. Maybe I'll have to get you in touch with that person. Well, he, you know what? He's I, never I been know. on my show. He's a person who listens to my show who sent me this design. And and actually, I had sent it to um, uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller to, to see if it made sense. And apparently, it does. Oh, very nice. Yeah. You have some brilliant minds here on this world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, so one of the other ways I suppose that we can resolve this is... Um, with people like you who can help people, um, I guess, ascend consciousness? Well, my books, I hope, do help with people insofar as their evolution and understanding that the technology um, that I've been exposed to can affect them if they were ever interconnected. So, yeah, I can help them break that paradigm, so to speak, and awakening. And, and it's more tools with a toolbox. The more they know, the more they'll be able to navigate in consciousness and multidimensional design, and the less they'll be you know, contained into the linear with all the artificial intelligence and all that weird. And it's man's version of AI, by the way, electronic warfare. One of the other interesting things that you mentioned in your book was about the Apollo missions going to the moon. And... I didn't quite understand it. What were you trying to trying to say in that? Like, like it was like like going to, to space wasn't really going into space. Well, you know, it's my own remote viewing and and my own gnosis of understanding that we have technologies beyond the illusion of space time, which you probably are familiar with, mm -hmm. that don't require you to have the types of technology they use as the cover for their version of how they get to the moon, how they navigate through space, even what Elon Musk is doing. So that I was alluding to that effect that we have. Um, levels of consciousness, we can do the, you know, the portation, phase shifting, bilocation, portals, access points, jump points. We have all kinds of tech that's energetic tech that's that's based on the continuum of the true space-time continuum. And that is what is the one, that's the way to go. I mean, that's the true way to go. Um, so we're, you know, in between the spaces of navigation. I'd have to look at the exact page, but I'm certain that's pretty much what I was alluding to. <laughs> so. Stargates. Yeah, stargates, portals, access points, jump points, yeah. And you're walking Stargate too. Remember that too—that mm -hmm. we are the zero point within. Yeah, you know, I do agree that we can probably 
move obviously quicker and further with our own consciousness consciousness rather than trying to do it in a physical modality. And you can also take your body with you when you calibrate. Your biosuit can calibrate to the right field, modulation of waves, frequency, right? At atomic molecular structure, you can actually create that field of energy and then phase and bilocate. You can take your body with you. It's kind of like light body Merkaba on the spiritual mystery wow. school teachings, but it's it's uh, that's the way you navigate. That's the way we can navigate. And one of the reasons they're trying to control the field is to control that frequency within the atomic structure to the cellular so that you're not able to go through those areas or and you'll have, you know, these you know, handlers trying to stop people from navigating. So that's something like what the ancient yogis used to do. Mm-hmm. They would be able to meditate and then appear somewhere else. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're calibrating. They're dialing in. I believe everybody has the capability. I really do. You don't lose that essence of origin. You know, you have a soul spirit consciousness you'll remember. How do we get that back? I think it's spiritual path. I think it's path working, doing the spiritual work, just uh, letting go of the linear programming and sometimes the social engineering, indoctrination, you know, whether it's from school, childhood, whatever dramas. People have all kinds of baggage they carry and it stops them from evolving. And now we've got forced baggage, <laughs> censorship and things. Even when they get it right, they're getting shut down and shut off. So that's a problem. Um, but just about following spirit, you know, being being connected to your higher self, whatever the divine uh, creator is to you, pure energy, pure light, pure consciousness, you know, the pure energetics of unconditional love, in my opinion, are the way to go. But you, can't, any, you can't be flawed on that. Is, is there any specific practice that you would suggest to people? Um, I know you're pretty familiar with the occult. Do you think that mm-hmm. any occult practices could help in that? Well, what I've done in the past, my uh, biggest progression, because the craft is one aspect of where I've been, but on many things. So I've, um, you know, the, the Merkaba is a big deal. You're working with mystery school teachings, unified field meditation is what I would suggest for anybody who's trying to calibrate their field to light body, which is Merkaba, going into that field of energy where you're raising your frequency, but you're using your entire chakra system as a primer. And you do that through the heart center. So yeah, that's what I would recommend the unified chakra meditation to, to ramp up and start, uh, you know, just kind of keeping the pillar of light and amplification connected within. And that will open you up to higher self over soul, um, less drama, and will clear out the emotional mental body. So that's my my two cents on that, where they can start. It almost sounds like a little bit like, well, like a typical um, chakra meditation, or I guess in a Western tradition, it would be like the middle pillar type of exercise. It's a little bit, but I think it's much more empowering. And where I've been with it, I find it to be phenomenal because it's really unifying the field in a different formula. And it's more divine. It's more um, created to the cosmic the cosmic Christ, but the divine energetics. Very powerful, pure energy. So in my opinion, you know, you do what works for you, but but that is one that has worked in the past, that not only on myself, but other people as well. Hmm. Is there anything that we could do to help other people? Any type of rituals, meditations, healing? You know, that's a really hard question because I don't know how many people want help, to be honest with you. If they seek your assistance, then I would say whether it's uh, clearing of entities or prayer work or affirmations or just being a sounding board to hear them so that they can communicate their whatever's going on with them, I think is a big deal. So, yeah, I think we can be there just as, uh, you know, just as, I don't want to say, um, how would you say it? Just like the mirror, you know, just like be there to help them and, and uh, show them the way, so to speak. Um. So do you believe that they have bases on the moon? I know there's control panels there. I, I've heard that there are bases on the moon. What I'm familiar with is an intelligent energy based on ascended symbiotic machines, which has no connection to their version of what they've tried to hijack or do demolition on. So 
Um, I, yeah, there supposedly are bases, but in my opinion, I think there was intelligent design there. Uh, life forms are still there, but more uh, interdimensional, in my opinion, also navigating off. I, I find that, in my opinion, there's been some kind of a, a war in a sense of uh, we've been kind of trying to use a lot of demolition and and to, to kind of destroy the ancient artifacts and things that are very, very special there. And that's also creating some problems with off-world species as well. So that's my own impression of it. Um, but yeah, I don't like to follow the same wave of everybody else saying we have the underground bases, but it's obvious we have control panels there that were engineered prior from uh, mankind's own investigations. And that means the ancient ar architects is what I'm talking about. Those are the control panels I'm talking about. They don't know how to run those, by the way, here. They don't. They think they do, but they don't. And that's the problem with mankind. They think they know everything, and sometimes they really don't. So. Hmm. You mentioned underground bases, and you also kind of mentioned it a little briefly in your book about Antarctica. What do you think is mm -hmm. there? Antarctica for me is not what people have been talking about. I know that there's underground areas and this and that. I, I get the jump points big time, and I want to go there so I can find the jump point. I know it's there. And that it just means that it's easy access to um, the vastness of space. It's like walking between one dimension to the next. Literally, you're walking between a world. And to me, that's the jump point I'm looking for. And that's one of the reasons I think that they're looking for, um, that's why they're down there more, more so than anything else. Also the anti-gravity aspects, the zero point aspect is way, way powerful down there. So that's what I look at and that's why I'm drawn to it. Um, and so far as anything else goes with giants and this and that, I don't dial into that. I kind of stay neutral positive because I'm looking at technology, I'm looking at jump points and I'm looking at space and I don't want to get uh, skewed into other things. So jump point, that means like a portal or a stargate? It's bigger than a Stargate. It's just like, a, I don't want to say it's a window between worlds, but it, it's something to that effect where it's just a field of energy that calibrates you automatically where you can yeah, navigate through it. I guess you can call it kind of a Stargate, but you can also take craft in there too, which can calibrate as well. So it's kind of like an easy access into beyond space time. And I find that that's why I always laugh when I look at what they're doing here with these, you know, rockets and such. I'm like, why aren't they going with this instead of that? And, you know, I'll never get down there. I guess I can get down there at some point, but who knows? I, I, that's one of my things. I want to go to Antarctica. I've got to find this place because I know it's there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's something that me and Jared have actually talked about actually going there. You should go. I would love to go with you all. You can yeah. get a clearance to get down there because you have to be, I, when I understand, you can go to certain areas, but are there other areas that are kind of off limits? To get to the area that you want to go, well, we want to go to, we're going to need a submarine. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> got any friends? Jared, if anybody knows somebody with a submarine, it's going to be Jared. <laughs> okay, keep me keep me informed on this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we even have like some some general coordinates to it, and and I've talked to people that have been there, and I've you know it's interesting. I've heard different things about it, um, but the only way to find out is to get there. And I exactly. also I also suspect that there might be a shortcut too. Yes, you're right. Yeah. But you sound what you're describing almost sounds like liquid liquid space. Um, like when you're saying submarine, I'm not trying to probe. My point is it sounds like that, almost like it's a liquid medium for navigation. Well, you ha my, my understanding was the, the, the directions that I got to get there, you actually had to go beneath the ice shelf. Mm -hmm. And then there's, it's like, there's, like, there's like, like rivers of water beneath the ice that you have to travel to to get there. That's interesting. Well, I would say, I'm not sure. I've, I've never really looked at the ley lines and I, um, maybe Jared has, but that's something to look at as well. Follow the energy, follow the energy. You'd get there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, how about Atlantis? What do you think about Atlantis? Was, was there a place called Atlantis? Did, was there more star beings here 
Uh, and then there was a war and they got wiped out and some survived and some didn't and some mutated it and whatever. It's interesting about Atlantis. You know, I've been looking at Manly P. Hall's version and a lot of other things. And I have my own because I've done a regression. I've had a regression done a long, long time ago on Atlantis. And it was all about technology frequency um, and, and basically the misuse of, of information and so far as psychic energy technology. It's everything we're dealing with right now. It's like a, a parallax view. So I saw that, um, the wars between wars, between uh, energetic, and it was mostly psychological plus technological. So when I look at that, it does key me into ancient Egypt and the Giza Plateau in correlation to beyond the Orion Gateway, which I'm working on right now. So I find that the Atlantis theory and the illusion of is actually real um, in a sense of the frequency and what it is and what it represents. But it, to me, it doesn't seem like it was on this world. I think it was in another ether, another field. And uh, people just extract and bring that energetics in. And I, I know that beings like us, I'm sure you probably had that attunement or feel naturally dialed into something like that. Well, it's not just about the collective knowing about Atlantis or reading about it. I think it's something bigger than that. So I find that they, uh, I think that there's, there's a lot to be said about it. But to me, it feels like it's in another field of energy that still exists. But some of the technology had a bleed through effect to here. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I have a slightly different theory. I think that Atlantis was a real place on Earth. I think it sunk. I think the population scattered and left reminders around, you know, which are these uh, concentric circle um, mounds and henges that were created. I think they're somehow there to try to remind us of who we are and when we're ready, we'll be able to access that information and start again. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, the parallel lead-through effect would do that in a sense of um, just, just the energetic leading through onto this illusion of a world. So you're dealing with that as well. So it definitely activates the DNA just like the, the pyramids activate at the, at the psychic level. What you're describing sounds like a mothership, by the way, um, like a ship that took off. I don't it know if you ever be. looked into that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's one of them ideas i also sometimes wonder just about the gulf of mexico i wonder if it was just like right there in the gulf of mexico and just got whacked by a big old meteor well it's highly possible in my opinion everything has been changed to such a degree who knows yeah. at this point you know everything has been it's going sideways anyways this whole world to me is, is just sideways so anything is possible at this point right um when, when you say the world is going sideways, what exactly do you mean? Do you mean like all the fear and chaos that seems to be happening? I think it's a combination of many things. It's it's a combination of the magnetosphere, you know, collapsing. Our atmosphere condition is not good. And atmosphere collapse, the the solar system, everything that's going on within our system and the illusion of a solar system, I should say, <clears throat> excuse me, is actually having a problem at an atmospheric level, excuse me, and also on uh, various other levels because we're dealing with a, a different field coming in and intersecting and overlaying onto the one we're currently in. So I'm seeing that, and that's why, it's, to me, it's sideways. When I look at the world and the Earth, um, the axis points and the magnetic north, we all know, you know, he heading towards Siberia, but there's mu much, much more to that. So I find that there's different configurations intersecting, and, and people are just reacting, plus they're being programmed. And if they haven't done the spiritual work, well, that's it's like input-output. That's what you're going to get behavior-wise, right? Right. Do you think the uh, pole, magnetic poles on the Earth are going to shift? I think they already are to some degree. From what I understand, um, besides magnetic north, it sounds like they are going to, I think, yeah, absolutely. Whether we're here to, you know, experience that full on, I'm not sure, but it's definitely going on. And I think it has a lot to do with the way everything's been weaponized. The whole biodome's weaponized right now, too. You have to look that, look that, um, look at that, you know, to some degree and see what's going on when it comes down to how they've affected what's, uh, what's already happening naturally. Yeah. Um, 
You have some interesting things to also to say about the sun. Stargate to the sun? Yeah. The, yeah, there's a lot of power coming through the sun, and people don't seem to realize that, or maybe some of these people in these, these global intelligence units do. But the ideas behind the energetics that come through, the, the frequencies connecting beyond, um, the different star systems and different connections to celestial energetics, which go through the, star, the stargate and actually impact us on a cosmic scale. So it's not only just about photon electric, and it's not just about the, the biosuit getting powered up with, uh, you know, specific frequencies to activate your DNA through the sun, which is really the sun itself is really not the sun. It's the stargate they're really talking about. That's giving them the empowerment, and the energy and the frequency that they're looking for. But that's uh, part of the, the power. And in my opinion, it's something that has been uh, kind of like looked at in a sense by some of these areas to dim in a sense of using the geoengineering to dim the light so that people aren't able to access it as clearly as they could. Have you ever tried sun gazing? You know, my friends do that. I, I just breathe in light and I do meditation and I bring in the energetic uh, connected to the sun. And it's very powerful. In the past, I've used it for Merkaba. So it ramps up my Merkaba signal and what I call my universal celestial heartbeat and pulse. It's very, very powerful. And when people start calibrating to the field, they'll find they have a natural cosmic signal or frequency that is like ebb and flow that just 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 kind of moves with the universe. It's very, very powerful. But yeah. Hmm. I've tried sun glazing and I have been very surprised at the results. Mm -hmm. One, I can still see. I'm not blind. <laughs> so see, be careful of that, but yeah. <laughs> so you can meditate. You don't have to look directly at it, but yeah. Well, but you can. You can stare at the sun, and it's not going to hurt you. It's a mm -hmm. lie. Well, a lot of the stuff they've been saying, you know, take a look at what it looks like now versus back when we were younger, too. And when you let the sunlight directly into your brain, uh, through your eyes and into your your brain, it does have an effect on a person. Oh, yeah. The light is definitely necessary because it's an intelligent design as well. It's almost an interface, quite honestly. Just like anything else with celestial bodies, but that's a big one. That's a huge one. That's why, in my opinion, all the ancient mystery schools were correlated to the sun and everyone's sun worshipping, whatever. But it still has its uh, its presence. What do you think, it, what, what energy is behind the sun? Beyond the galactic center, in my opinion, it's divine energy is connecting through the field. So very, very divine, what I call ascended, you know, you call it ascended master, but light being, celestial design work, pure energy, pure light, pure consciousness, uh, creator source, however you want to describe it, many, many factors in, in so far as the, the type of field of energy I'm talking about, but it's usually divine, there's nothing contaminating. I, in my opinion, you cannot be harmed by the transmissions coming through the, the photon celestial design work of the sun. So the sun could also probably be used as a tool to, to, to free us from, from the psychic warfare. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're raising your field. You're raising your vibration. Absolutely. Just like anything else. Yeah. It reminds me of that mythology where, you know, a person flies up into the sun, gets burned. You know, it's almost like a, a disinformation campaign. Well, there's a lot of space time. You know, you have to look at space time too. One thing I've noticed because I look from I look at it from a, a different perspective and different angle. Mm -hmm. Space time that most people look at is very linear and it's very much mapped based on original information from this world. Yeah. When you go into the bigger, the bigger spectrum, the um beyond the space time, there's a lot more data codes of information. So you know, it, not all as, as it appears through frequency. You're looking at energy. Once again, like Tesla taught us, uh, mm -hmm. energy frequency modulation of waves. That, that's, he gave us so, so much data connected to the real truth behind why we are here or how we can get away and navigate off the world. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I was looking at. Well, definitely time is sort of a BS concept. It's just a restriction oh, yeah. that, that's been put on us. 
because there is no such thing as time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I always said it was a benchmark of measure, even though people will argue it to the death. And, you know, you can manifest a timeline. Sure, you can manifest time, but still it's very nebulous in the cosmos. It's all energy and you're streaming consciousness. So it's not like it's, it's is here where people live in that vortex where everything is factored in on a cycle. What do you think about gravity? Is gravity real? Well, magnetism's real. So you're dealing, I never subscribe to gravity. I don't like that terminology. I say magnetism. Mm -hmm. Magnetic fields are what we're talking about. So to me, it's a magnetic field. Yeah, magnetic fields are real. As you well know. (laughs) Are are they real? Which creates gravity. Excuse me. Are they real just in a physical form or are they also real in a astral and spiritual form? It's a good question because when I astral project, I never feel like there's any any magnetic field or pull whatsoever. Although I do take that back. Back in the 80s, I had something very weird happen. But normally when I'm traveling, there's no resistance. So it's very easy to navigate. Do you feel time when you astral travel? Nope. I can, but I can access timelines. I can get in and I can visit and I can do this. And I've seen places that are very advanced and very um, beyond here. They're like into the future. Real civilizations, real areas. So who, who knows what it is? You know, I don't create them. I don't I'm not the architect. Right. I had interviewed somebody on the structure of the cosmos. And he describes the cos, you know, our cosmos as like a ball with, with rotating um, streams of energy rotating in opposite directions mm-hmm. right next to each other. It's like uh, clockwise, counterclockwise. Yeah, yeah. And and the direction of the rotation is the direction of time. So I guess in one dimension, you would have forward time. In another dimension, you would have reverse time. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. When I look at what you're describing, I see it as zero point. So you're dealing with gravity, what we wouldn't call really gravity, but anti-gravity. Two two forces, and one's going one way, one's going the other but also creation in a sense of uh, creating a zero point in the center. So I don't see it like that, but who knows, you know, people do their own different work and um, Mm -hmm. I I just think differently. So. No, but but, but it still comes to the same thing as that zero point in the center. Right. That's where you're at. That's where it has to be. That's what we are. So, So that part definitely sort of jives with that sort of kind of thinking. Um. Do we need our bodies? You know, I used to love my body, my bio suit and my respected life. And I find it beautiful to live in a physical form. Uh, but I do know we have avatars and we're multidimensional. So we exist simultaneously beyond the, the illusion of space and time in multidimensional design. So you have aspects of you in multidimensional space. So you really don't, um, you always have a form of some kind, you know. But I, I would say appreciate what you have while you're here. That's my take on it, you know. I like this suit. But I also know that we don't... Um, it morphs, it changes, it ascends. And with a particular phase shifting and the type of things I talk about with different space time, if we were actually in the right space time, we would have a youthful body. We wouldn't be aging to such a degree we are here. We'd be able to navigate through space time with our fields and our frequencies at a higher level. So once again, the body is recalibrated to a field where it's it's more youthful, but it can navigate in multidimensional space and it calibrates to whatever dimension and whatever space time it, it is um, in connection with and resonance with calibrated to. So I don't know if that's a long-winded answer, but that's my own impression of it. Right. I don't know. You know, I I, I don't like getting old. That that that. Oh, that I, much, I don't care for it. That much no. I'm not digging, you know. I mean, I've also had guests say that, that this body is like a junk body. But I also don't quite buy that either. No. Because I am able to have fun with it. Right. 
you know what I like I said before I was inducted I, I I so much love life and I love being a martial artist and doing the work that I was doing and I appreciate my body being able to do these wonderful things and I blessed it and thanked it for what it was able to do so for me it's a very different thing and it's energy you know obviously it's a form of energy it's matter it converts into energy anyway you look at it so it is what it is but I respect the suit and I never call it a meat suit because to me it's a bio suit it's a space suit you know it helps us operate while we're here and it has miraculous things connected to our technology our biotech our natural spiritual biotech that can calibrate to higher realms. So I think it's a really cool design. Unfortunately, we're in a very bad space time and linear world where people are just, you know, weaponizing everything and bringing it down. With the weaponizing, um, are there good guys and bad guys in this weaponizing program? Are there people that are creating good weapons and people creating bad weapons, fighting back? Is there any type of rebellion here? I haven't seen any. I've been a big voice on, insofar as disclosing covert warfare, psychotronic weapons, and the misuse of technologies. And I've been I've been rogue. I've been alone, um, with the exception of people, other you know, truth media, this and that here and there. I haven't really come across many people who are willing to take a stand against this. I, there could be some people behind the scenes that will never say a word that might be, but it's been my opinion, um, especially after where I've been with the technology. Not one of them has ever come forward. Nobody's come forward to to do something better. And even when I look at the people in the mainstream right now, you know, they're trying to weaponize the neural link is a prime example of brain hacking and making it glorified. You know, there's, there's nothing good about what they're trying to do right now. It's always about entrainment programming. And, and why on earth do you want to put in programs that have no connection to anything multidimensional? It's just linear garbage. That's where the garbage comes in, in my opinion. So it's a long winded answer. But How do you feel about uh, like uh, Arcturians, Pleiadians, Syrians, um, and all these other type of entities that people are working with? Well, in my opinion, they're frequency-based, they're life forms, they're intelligent life forms. I don't get the visuals the way people see things. I see energy, consciousness, intelligent design. Um, there have been, in the past, I have been attuned and uh, into an octarine healing system, which was by a walk-in, and it was very effective. The work is very powerful. It's a holographic grid repair, so I can't poo-hoo that. Um, and so far as Pleiadian goes, yep, I can validate. And so far as frequency, consciousness, life forms, light beings. Uh, but the stuff that people come up with nowadays in the UFO community, I don't register it. It doesn't really register, but the energy signature is certainly there for frequency and consciousness. So it's my opinion that all these people that are creating these extraterrestrials, I think they're just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what if they're accurate descriptions or not is my point. I think it might be disinformation from UFO and and covert warfare departments but who knows at that point i do know one thing my lawyer who was national security was always upset about me referencing you know extraterrestrials and especially pleiadians so <laughs> he always told me when he read my book he said drop the pleiadians i'm like I'm not dropping the pleiadians so <laughs> you take it for what it is right well a lot of my guests think that these beings are trying to help us extend to free mm -hmm. us from from the muck that we're kind of stuck in right well, we are part of the space time. Remember, we're multidimensional, and you, as a multidimensional being, have access to other space time, which means you're also connected to other species off planet, which, yes, we are helping. We are raising the consciousness. We're here on, what are we doing right now? We're awakening people, whether they digest or not, that's okay, but we're here to bring in another piece of energy that's based on more truth, more light, more illumination, so they can understand data better. So, yeah, I think, intuitively speaking, that, yeah, I, I think that we are constantly interfacing with these beings, and that we are there, too, and we are here, and that's part of being multidimensional. How do I know that my thoughts are my own? That's a good question. You, to, <laughs> you know what? Um, I don't trust feedback programs, so I'm not sure how to answer that for you. 
I always had a silent, quiet mind, always psychic, always being able to get impressions and, and naturally telepathic where I hear communication, but not the way it is with interface. So when your thoughts are your own, they're usually positive. They're usually based on higher self, um, neutral positive. They usually don't sit there and attack you with negative things or try to get you to do nefarious things. That would be more of an entity attachment, in my opinion, or some kind of a program. So you know your thoughts are your own when they're just pure energy, pure light or neutral positive, if you understand the mechanics of your own mind. So you also have to balance the hemispheres right and left. You have to balance the, the psyche to a point where you're not over, over assessing, over judging anything, just being in the moment. I don't really know if a lot of people have done that kind of work, to be honest with you. And that's where meditation comes in, right? Or some kind of a focus, martial arts, whatever, will help people think. But don't listen to feedbacks. Don't listen to the chatty, chatty interf interface, in my opinion. And a lot of people who channel, a lot of people do that. Some of it's real. A lot of it's electronic. And they have to be very careful. And they won't listen to me when I tell them that it's electronic. So... Do you think that there's channelers out there channeling negative energy um, or, or not even channeling? They're just being um, sent messages from M labs to my labs. I'm sorry to spread disinformation. I think a lot of the times they get hijacked and they don't even know it mm -hmm. because it's not abusive. Usually when they get interconnected, it'll be like a little something positive, something nice, like a little fairy godmother or something, something not threatening. And they'll, they'll trust it. And they'll start working with it. And eventually it will be part of a program. It could be connected to a disinformation campaign too. So I'm kind of skeptical and jaded when it comes to that in a sense of technology and, and channeling. So I, I look at it from a very diverse, different perspective. My point is um, that I think that the people should be aware that there's all kinds of ways to channel and that uh, your higher self over soul super conscious and the way you can interpolate the data stream yourself is the best way to go versus listening to something tell you what's going on. I would never listen to anything. I've been through a synthetic celebrity program where I was getting commands. And live feed real time with my handler. I had to back him up. I did not want that kind of stuff happening where I'm constantly being interrupted by somebody in my head or an interface program with, with information. Like, no, I'll think for myself, right? And this is where that comes in. So think for yourselves. Never let somebody skew you. And that's why, did you ever see the movie A Scanner Darkly? God, like in the 80s. Well, it's Philip K. Dick, and, and there's a lot to be said about him, and you should interview Tessa Dick if you have not his wife um, because the information in that is accurate. And the scrambling suit, the scramble suit is accurate, like you would not believe. I saw that and I was like, oh my God, I've, I've lived that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so so really, that's the tech, okay? Wow. I'll have to get him on, see if he'll talk to me. You should get Tessa on. Yeah, I can get you her contact. Uh, oh, absolutely. Then. If you can give me that information, that'd be She's fantastic. I'll have to yep. watch it again. It's been so long since watch I've seen it. Watch it. And then think about synthetic telepathy and psychotronic and interface and all that. I mean, everything they show you, well, a lot of the Philip K. Dick, he was... That's what he was talking about the whole time, much of it, right down to Blade Runner. So, Blade Runner is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's a good one. It's very accurate, creepy accurate too. Yeah, sometimes like he didn't even realize he was a replicator. Well, what's interesting, if you talk to Tessa, he was harassed, he was stalked, they broke into his house, uh, they were tracking him like you wouldn't believe, and he was even kidnapped at one point. Oh wow! Yeah, there's some stories she can tell you about what happened to him. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that was a long time ago when that came out. Oh, yeah. I, again, I don't remember when, but I know I was young. Younger than I am now. It's a classic. <laughs> it is. Um, so, what else? Like, you know, uh, um, I interview a lot of people, and... Like recently, like for example, I interviewed somebody who uh, 
has telepathic communication with Sasquatch. And it was all about saving the planet. Was something like that, like, like, do you believe that there's an elder race, like Sasquatches are an elder race of star beings on this planet that still have communication with the star council? You know, I hate to be a, like a poo-hoo thing. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people who do like the Sasquatch and they confirm that they swear that they have interactions with it. Mm -hmm. I have no resonance with it at all. So I can't tell you, I'm not saying it does or doesn't exist. It could be interdimensional. My point is that I'm not sure. And I can't vouch for somebody who's channeling an entity that calls itself a Sasquatch. It could be just an entity. Right. So they have to be clearer in their own gnosis of understanding. Uh -huh. um, this whole thing about let's all sing, hand, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya together and we're all going to make the world a better place. From my information of off-planet intelligence, it is about an intercept connected to a set of symbiotic machines that has no interest in being comrades or allies to global military, global governments, or global religions. So you can figure that out. Okay. So whatever people are saying, I'm not sure. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying that I don't see that. And the information I've been interfacing and accessing is certainly not in correlation to everybody just holding hands and thinking life is groovy unless they're just being slept in a stasis of, of being, you know, mm -hmm. la la land. How about plants and animals? I find plants and animals to be extremely psychic and intelligent and very symbiotic in a, in a sense of being able to communicate with them. I'm not a uh, plant communicator. I know people who do communicate with plants. They speak their own frequency language. And if you heard music of the plants before, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I have. Okay, yes. yeah. Though I can I can get you in touch with somebody. One again, once again, Renee Colson's one of those people who has these machines. And you know, yeah, take it for what I've it's seen worth. Those. those are pretty cool. Yeah. But she's played these really cool musical, like in, you know, all these musical <laughs> tones are coming through, and almost like a symphony. Mm -hmm. And and to me, I mean, you can you can tell there's music in all things and all life. And natural natural life has music and consciousness and and communication, however it is. So. I'm a firm believer in that with the animals too. So she's another one you should have on. She's an animal communicator with them. And she's very good. She's very good. Yeah, she also to. does that plant. Yeah. Send me her information. I'll definitely, I'd I love will. to have her. She's a wonderful being. I love her. Yeah. She's cause, cause she's actually come up in another, with another one of my guests was talking about her. She had bought that device. She uses it and absolutely loves it. Yeah. But the thing is with, I'm, I'm very, very analytical and I'm, I'm very spiritual because I understand consciousness, but I have to look at things and try to find a way to debug them. Right. Or bunk them out. And I'm, and with this, I, I don't know for what it's worth, but I did hold on to that. We had um, one of myself and a friend of mine were holding on to the little little antennas you're supposed to hold on to. And we were able to get it to, to do something. So however that is, I'm not sure whether it's just the electromagnetic field that we're able to do that. But we were able to. So you can hold it yourself and see if it comes through versus putting it in the soil of a plant or on a leaf. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, how about just the earth in general? Is the earth alive? Does the earth have its own? You know, a lot of people will refer to the earth as Gaia, as its own spirit, its own entity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's one of the spheres. That's not part of what they're seeing here, in my opinion. It's, when I say Gaia, I look at it as a different uh, realm, a different frequency, and a different, once again, it's a different ether. Uh, but not, not they can access it, but it's not what's here. And I also look at this world as I've called it a terraform rock called earth, and people don't like that. But part of my, my point is that this is a, a very intelligent design that's more machine-based. In the sense of it, it can communicate machine language through other worlds, other universes. It's very uh, much into its own survival in a sense. It's been terraform, but it also has intelligent design behind it. And people tend to forget that because of the soil and the trees, but everything was brought here. So we have all that terraforming that's been done. But really, it's, um, in my opinion, a very intelligent machine-based world that can be, um, you know, I don't know what else to say about it. You should read my book, <laughs> One Million Miles to Midnight. It's in my book, One Million Miles to Midnight, without giving too much out. 
Okay. <laughs> um, it's complex. Do, do you think that our species originated on Mars? I think some of us could have lived there um, in a sense. I think that it's highly probable that we are part Martian in a sense of some of us have had lifetimes on Mars. But also, we're, we come from the stars anyway, so you come from a different star system. Depending on where you were, your cosmic origin is, who knows? I mean, depending on what work you do and the internal work you've done to access that, I'm sure. So we've incarnated here, we in, reincarnate here for whatever purpose. Sometimes um, people can follow each other, souls traveling groups, or you enter onto a timeline, which means you have a specific pers- purpose, excuse me, which is more like a walk-in um, where they're just designed to, you know, have an avatar aspect of themselves, enter onto the timeline to create more change. So, you know, it goes, goes a lot of areas. Do you think that Nazis could have escaped the planet and are living on Venus? I don't know if they're living on Venus, but I'm pretty sure they were able to break orbit back in the day during that project. Uh, high, was it High Jump? Operation High Jump? Mm-hmm. A lot of other things. I, in my opinion, I think they were able to break orbit, especially after the jump point I'm familiar with in Antarctica. Yeah. That's another one of the things that I, I've heard is that they went to Antarctica and somehow some of them escaped the planet. I'm pretty sure. They can they can jump or they can break orbit there very easily in my opinion I think they could have so you know a lot of people say they're still over there manufacturing and this and that so I don't know offhand on their end I do know that what I know um, I just look at the the energy I look at the signatures of what their capabilities were at the time they were very much capable of navigation off planet whether people realize it or not so if we can make a machine or a program that creates zero point energy and creates a gate could we just walk people through it and have them reboot to their original selves and get rid of the bad programming? If it's zero point, then they should be able to recalibrate through their own field and their own divinity. But you also have to know what's, where to go. You have to have coordinates. You have to have the space time, kind of like Stargate. You know, you have to know uh, where you're heading, well, where I, you're going. What I'm thinking is maybe we could make one. Oh, yeah, you can do those all the time. Um, there's, there's things you can do connected to your own zero point within your own Stargate, which is based on what I was talking about, Merkaba, mm-hmm. the field but also triangulation of different um, space-time configurations and also constellations beyond this this linear perception of reality. So yeah, in my opinion, I think you can absolutely do that. And also paying attention to the ley lines here on this world that will kind of give you an idea of some of the energies and the way they flow. And also look in the holographic fields, um, not necessarily the physical, but the holographic and the energy patterns. How do you feel about the use of uh, psychedelics to rip a hole into our consciousness so we can get through to the other side? Psychic dogs? Psychedelics. Oh, psychedelics. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. No, I, Angel I dust. um, you know, to me, LSD opens the DNA. Um, if you talk to Dr. Roger, Richard Allen Miller, excuse me, he'll, he'll tell you something differently, but I find it to be opening the DNA, but not programming it. So I find that, yeah, you can open it up through LSD. Um, in my opinion, I know people are very big on ayahuasca. I have a lot of friends that do ayahuasca and they, they rave about it. I think that's pretty, I've never done it, but it supposedly puts them in a very high level of their own uh, consciousness and able to to show them many things on a multidimensional scale and even interdimensional. So I can't poo-hoo it. I think that you have to be really stable and grounded to begin with, though. And I don't recommend it for people who are kind of mentally off to begin with because, you know, that's probably not the best solution to their, you know, evolution. Wow. So what personal experience, I, I mean, when this happened to you, and you were trying, like I could listen to some other interviews with you, and you were traumatized, um, how did you break out of it? Like, like there, there must have been something that jarred you out of it. Anger, rage. I was pissed. Excuse my French. I mean, I was, I was so interconnected in the technology. They were so abusive yet controlling, and yet I had so many guilt, uh, gifts. Excuse me, and uh, and levels of my own divinity that I knew I could access. I just, I got tired of being abused by these people, 
and taken advantage of and nothing was getting done. And I, I realized that they were just kind of stringing me along after a while. They, if they can't control you, they really don't have any use for you, in my opinion. So I just broke orbit. I started becoming more of my own divine self and started decoding the technology better than the handlers, better than the people who had access to it. Started working with it um, in a sense of exposing it and then going out there and talking about it and doing presentations and lectures, writing books. I just took my power back step by step. I still have anomaly signals to this day, but they're not, um, they're not, in my opinion, I don't think they're hackable. There's other things that are more nebulous with my abilities. So, uh, you know, it's been a long road. It's been a terrible road. As a matter of fact, what's really interesting, and I'll share this with you. I was out running errands, I told you earlier off air, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, everything was closed. And, well, I, I just probably shouldn't have, but I went by my old house that I used, that the induction took place. And I looked at it, and the, and the trees that I had planted back then were big now. They're huge. It looks beautiful. And I just stared at it for a minute, like all that trauma. And I looked at that house and it looks so sad energetically because of the, the bad things that happened and the people that did what they did. So, um, you know, it's just really a sad scenario, but it takes a lot of anger and rage. I think at some point you've got to get pissed. You've got to get angry enough to move the energy and break orbit with the control mechanisms. And that's what happened. I said, I'm not doing this. And I did. Um, so for what it's worth, but you, you know, you take a lot of hits. It's like I said, you know, in various interviews, it's kind of like the, um, USS Enterprise, you know, you take a lot of hits on your vessel, mm -hmm. your body. It's, you know, it can only take so much, you know, and I've taken a lot of damage over the years. So, how do you protect yourself from that now? Right now, I'm so calibrated to machines. I don't, um, I don't find it to be an issue so much, but I also know that aerial warfare can certainly create a disturbance in my field. So, I set my perimeters up, my shields up. I know Shungite's really good to attenuate fields. I know you probably talked to Nancy Hopkins or maybe not. But the Shungite Reality book is very, um, very interesting. She's done some good research with that and has some good information on Shungite, which can help people who are being hit with electromagnetic fields, dirty electricity, you know, whatever it is, microwave attacks, et cetera. Not that it's going to stop it completely, but it can help. Um, being prepared and body, mind, and spirit, basically. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing I do. But if they were to try to triangulate me and try to hack in again, oh, no, it's not going to go the way they want it to anymore. So I've got everything reconfigured my way. Do you have any electronic devices that you can also use to create a shield? I don't. I know the Faraday cages were spoken about in the past. I think people who are really uh, tech savvy can certainly create something to bounce a signal out. Uh, you know, so I would recommend anything they can do to create their own version of something that can do that. Yeah, absolutely. There's all kinds of things you can do. Orgone, I understand some of Orgone devices are pretty good. But mm -hmm. I do know that, you know, when I was inducted, I, I was shielded psychically, protected energetically and all this. But when they triangulate you, it's a weapon of war. You have to realize this is a militarized weapon. So when they triangulate you in your electromagnetic field, and your neural circuitry, it's like what they use in Afghanistan, not the same one. But I'm saying if they want to target you, they're going to target you and they're going to interconnect you whether you like it or not. And they get you when you're most vulnerable, usually when you're resting or in a, in a space of being like alpha where you're programmable, more at peace, where you're less defensive uh, would be the, you know what they would probably do. But my point is, yeah, it's really hard to defend once you get hit. And I knew that. I knew I was in trouble after I was interconnected because I couldn't shake it. I couldn't bounce it out. The signal was interfacing with my brainwave activity where it was um, creating an artificial intelligence synthetic link. And it was very strong. Um, so, yeah, it's, but you can use it for positive things, too. And that's my point. You know, this could have been something that was um, used for astronauts and good things, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't want to. They want to use it for uh, assault and battery, direct energy weapons. They want to use it for interrogation, control, re-education. They told me I was going to be re-educated. You're going to hate me for this, as they kept saying to me. And yeah, I was pretty, pretty angry. <laughs> so I didn't need to be re-educated. Why? Because I'm pure light, pure consciousness. And I think outside of the box, I mean, you know, the whole idea behind their mechanism of control. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
well, a lot of data. When all that I, happened, though, like, 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 how did you express that? Like, that must have been hard to, like, like obviously now you've been talking about it for so oh, long, yeah. like, you're able to express it. But at that time, it really must have been really difficult to even come up with words to describe yeah. what, what was going on. It was very traumatizing. I wasn't verbally communicating with my husband when I was first interconnected with the synthetic telepathy. He thought I was on drugs. He thought my doctor had drugged me because I wasn't communicating with him. I was acting really weird. Even my stepdaughter was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, because I was staring out the window. I wasn't communicating. I was always interfacing. And yeah, you're getting forced visuals, forced everything. And it was very difficult to break that chain, break that code in the sense of just getting away from all of that. But I eventually got out of it. Like I said, it just takes a lot of willpower. You know, what's really funny. I have over 250 micro cassettes of information that I have not released. Um, I don't know when it's coming out, but it will at some point. But that's been in the, my little vault. And that's a lot. That's from 2004 and on Maui. So a lot of data. And anybody with a forensics background can certainly look through it. Oh, wow. But I wouldn't recommend anybody knocking on my door. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, you know, you have to be smart as a, as a scientist. When you get hit with stuff, you've got to decode it. You've got to write and keep logs and really keep track of what's happening to you, just like you would a doctor who's having symptoms in your own, you know, something's going on with you. That's pretty much what I did. But, yeah, it's been it's easy for me to talk to you now. But, man. If you listen to my earlier videos, I was traumatized. I was more PTSD. I was having such a hard time. And I was, um, you know, I was talking super, super fast. I still talk fast, but I was really um, definitely revved up. Hmm. Have you ever heard of Morgellons disease? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get people like that all the time contacting me with, uh, they say they have it. I've not have it myself, but I've heard about things like that with fibers or some kind of a technology, nanotech coming out of their skin. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I've actually seen it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely very disturbing. I don't know what the purpose behind that would be. Well, maybe just to psychologically um, harass somebody to some degree, but it also sounds like somehow, some way they've been partially modified or maybe got exposed to something more nano-related and it's having an effect. It's it's being discharged from their suit because it's not compatible. I mean, that's, a, that's something I can look at in a sense. You know, the body tends to flush out things that are not part of it. Unless it can calibrate it. Like where I've come from, it's kind of strange because they, I've been able to kind of um, integrate non-intentionally hmm. into whatever field that was. So That's kind of cool that you've been able to adjust and utilize and, and use all this for, for positive purposes. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I had no choice. Yeah. yeah. I, I would definitely not be the negative. You know, I, this is how they make Manchurian candidates. This is how they put people through MK Ultra. You know, in the old mm -hmm. days, it was the old van and this and that. Yeah. But now it's it's literally, you know, you're indoctrinated, you're, you're, you know, pulled out and extracted with these signals and interface, and you don't need to be taken anywhere special. You can just be programmed. And a lot of people, in my opinion, the targeted individuals, and a lot of others are Manchurian programs. You have the Monarch programs. You've got all kinds of people out there have been programmed with technology, even the Montauk. And all of that correlates to control mechanisms, whether it's controlling their psychic ability or it's controlling their personalities to a point where they want to use them for something. And this has been going on forever, too. Right. Oh, yeah. I've had I had a guest who was a, a participant in Project Stargate. Hmm, nice. And that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. He even uh, gave me some of the original files. Oh, cool. And I, I think that's the original reason why they attacked my computers. Well, it's possible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a crazy world we live in. It's, it's Very crazy. And, and everything you see, well, you know this, but most of it has been obscured from us. 
people don't even know the truth anymore. They're never going to know. I'm actually kind of grateful we do know the bigger scenery to some degree, mm -hmm. uh, just because it's better to have some information than none. Right. Like, I'm sort of at a point, like, I know that I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but you're at least assessing, you're at least looking, you know. Yeah. Like, I, 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 and, I, and I know, what, you know, based on logic, at least, what's not real or what definitely like, like what's not needed. You right. know, I, I can look at like, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, I can look at things to like, okay, we really don't need a government. We really don't need money. We don't even really need land ownership. So why are these things yeah. exist? They shouldn't. I think somebody's out of control. At least they have been for many, many moons. But yeah, when you get up to, well, that's why I talk about stepping up to the galactic neighborhood because none of that's relative. What they're mm -hmm. doing right now on the timeline, every single thing they've done here, even, even this propagated storm of, whatever you want to call those past year has all been psychologically damaging to the masses. It hasn't been beneficial. It's, um, you know, nothing but putting people in a space of fear and control mechanisms. We don't need any of this. We can, we can go to the next level and step up with our own energy and our own consciousness. And the universe will under, uh, kind of interface with us in a sense of, you know, guiding us through it. We don't really need to be handled by people who want to play our, you know, superiors, so to speak, which they're not. Do you think they're afraid of, people like you and me i think that they are yeah yeah i do I, I think that to some degree if they can't control and manipulate you or handle you properly yeah you'll probably be put on some kind of a, a list of theirs but they're on a list too so <laughs> who cares yeah but, i know yeah. on the list <laughs> well you know it's just funny because they get watched too i mean you know they're always being monitored they don't have any free will or anything like that so i think at some point that's interesting how far up do you think it goes that's a great question. I'm not certain other than the fact that I see it as the global intelligence network. We have the exotic black te technologies department, but I'm looking at the alphabet agencies who have a lot of pull right now. Mm -hmm. I think that the, um, you know, the CIA used to have more pull than usual. And they also took over the national security site uh, over there in area 51 S4 way, way back. So that to me tells me all I need to know about what's going on with them. Why on earth would you have CIA running exotic technology unless they were using it to do some of the nefarious work that I'm familiar with. So I don't know. You can take it however you want to, but I think they're one of the bigger players behind what's happening here. Do you think that there's something way above that? You do know, you, you talk about the, the, the globalist agenda. And um, I don't think they're that powerful, though. Go maybe ahead. even above that. Like more extraterrestrial? Beyond that, maybe. Uh, I don't see it like that. What I see is I, like, I see like, like something satanic. Well, that the Vatican definitely comes to mind <laughs> if you're looking at things like that, because the, the the electronic programming that I'm familiar with, with the electronic interface, can communicate something that would appear as a god or a demon or a ghost or whatever. And to me, I think that the Pope and a lot of their uh, Jesuits have been exposed to the interface. And with that comes this kind of almost like a superficial kind of energetic connected to they think they have all the answers because they're being interfaced with something they can't define or don't understand. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, the inventors behind all this. Still going into the exotic technologies department, breakaway civilization, black te technologies and sciences. I don't see it as extraterrestrial. And what you want to call demon, I think mankind is his own worst evil demon and devil. I think the actions of mankind is a choice. They can be good or they can be evil. And uh, there's no reason why they can't change gears and just be good beings. But I think their evil definitely exists. There's no doubt about that. There are a lot of bad people and something's driving it. And the more resonance they have with that evil, the more electronic interface they have with it, the more they're going to be calibrated to it. So it's not so good. Um, do, do you think that if there's less fear, the less power they would have? 
Oh yeah, because when you show no fear, you're able to combat it a lot easier. There's no boogeyman. Wow. Well, that's good. I don't feel that's I see it. I don't feel fear, so I'm lucky there. I wasn't afraid in 2004. I mean, I was like, um, that's why they, they probably said, didn't get you. Yeah, <laughs> they said, he goes, he said, I'm the angel of death. He's just being a smart ass. Excuse my French at first. And uh, I said, oh, well, that's nice. So am I. I mean, that's how it started. Okay. <laughs> and then it never stopped. <laughs> they thought, oh, we've got a live one here. I'm pretty sure they realized that real quick, but I wasn't going to back down. But I had no idea how severe the program was either, how mm -hmm. bad it was. So. Um, so, so do you still have issues with the program now? Does it still ever, you ever still have to kind of resist it? There's not, no, there's no command programming running. For me, I've been able to calibrate a lot of, on a lot of different levels. So what I'm doing is going into my own work, doing my own thing, um, doing my own nebulous, uh, state of being in, in research and other areas connected to Stargates beyond. I'm not even uh, connecting into that field. Um, so I don't, I don't have any control mechanisms associated with that. So that's been good for me. Uh, but everything else, you know, I'm just more nebulous now. I feel like a time travel that's come back and doesn't belong on the timeline. That's what I feel like. I feel like I should be someplace else. <laughs> Where would that place be? Different space, time configuration, and past the Galactic Center. <laughs> far, far away. But yeah, I just, you know, it's just when you go some places, you can't come back. Nothing's ever right, you mm. know. Well, things are never always the same, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you do you think that it is possible to physically cross over from one timeline to another and then back again? Like a time I slip? Can, I think you can jump timelines. I think you can calibrate to jumping a timeline depending on the field. Yeah, I do. I'm not sure about getting back, though. I'm not sure if it's going to be as easy to get back, but you certainly can go. That's my own impression. We could get back. I wouldn't want to come back. If I leave, I'm not coming back. If I get through one of those jump points, I'm not coming back. That's just me. I don't know, I guess for me, it would depend on what timeline I ended up on. Well, the one you choose, I hope. Um, you know, if you're looking at things like that, like, oh, I'm going to go to another timeline. Well, once again, understand your intent. Where are you heading? What are you looking for? You know, um, you've got to look at it on a different scale of consciousness and what, what exactly you're looking for in between the spaces. Right. I would want to go through the timeline where there's no time. Well, in my opinion, when you're on a timeline, zero zero point, zero energy, zero transmission, in a sense of just everything is very, very nebulous and abstract. There is no time, in my opinion. I mean, I've been in areas where I've, it's just timeless. That's all I can explain about it. Even though you're seeing things, it's, there's no benchmark of a signature of a time. So do you think there's a Solaris Blue Raven living on another timeline right now as we're talking? I'm pretty sure I have a lot of avatars, um, but they're aspects of me because we're multidimensional. So yeah. I'm, we have we exist simultaneously beyond the illusion of space and time. So I have aspects of me in other worlds, other realities, sure. And you bring in those aspects sometimes with soul dissension, soul extension, or even just integration when you're doing a lot of work, a lot of spiritual work. Aspects of you, though, not entities, mm -hmm. aspects of you. So have you been able to communicate with other cells on other timelines during these integrations? I've only had one soul dissension, um, and this was way before the induction, and it was very, very powerful and prominent. And it wasn't like a communication per se, but it was an overlay of light to such a degree that everything around me seemed very dark. I mean, it was like I was in such a light space that everything in this world seemed very dark to me, like I was in a tunnel. Uh, but I was the light. It was very strange. But I, I've had things like that happen. Then you get a new, uh, what I call data codes, connect in and start intersecting where you get more information in multidimensional awareness. So it's uh, very, very spiritual in a sense. But... Um, no avatars of me out there. I've astral projected and I've, I've, I don't know, I've had some experiences, you know. 
Do you think there's a God creating all this? I think we have creation. We have creator source, what I call the creator source or prime source, direct, we're going to call it um, divine creation. We are co-creators of that, which means we're extensions of the cosmic design. What's created here, in my opinion, is not anything to do with crea a creator God of divine light. Um, this is something that I find to be a holographic program. To some degree, if you look at it like a programmable world, it seems like the, the programs are defective because of the thought form. And the thought form has been generated by mankind, however they created it, however they thought about it, whatever instigated it. That to me is the imprisonment. That's the capsule that's controlling them. And as soon as they break orbit with, once again, belief systems and the programs that are non-productive, I think they can break orbit with this, this whole paradigm. What does breaking orbit with the paradigm mean? It means that you're no longer controlled by the linear, the, the linear propaganda, the false matrix, the lies, the deception. It means that you're now attuned and dialed into the true space-time configuration, full light harmonic, which makes a big difference in your perception reality because there's no lying there. There's no deception. There's none of the things you see here, there. That makes a big difference in your awareness and evolution. It's like a huge jump into the full light universe. You know, if we didn't have distractions all the time and negativity and all this evil, we'd be in a great space-time. We don't have any problems. We keep evolving and ascending. We'd be using technology properly. Just be way, way different. Well, all we really have to do is sit down and kind of chill. <laughs> right? Well, you're navigating. I mean, for me, I'm a navigator, so I go in and out of worlds in a sense. And to me, I like to um, communicate with other beings and other life mm -hmm. forms and learn and grow and share. So to me, I think it would be great to traverse the galactic highway that way. I don't want to spend my time just in one area. I'd like to go elsewhere and, and go all around, you know. I don't know. I think sometimes, like, for, for me personally, by sitting down and being able to chill, it allows me to actually go further out. Yeah, I think know? that's your personality. But, but your rather, than, rather than sitting in front of a TV or, or, or doing this or doing that, if I let myself go completely, mm -hmm. actually, like, it's almost like let, letting go of myself completely. Mm -hmm. um, the further I can, I don't know, it, I, my, my consciousness sort of will... will open up and then other things will come in. Right. You know, you, I don't know if you've used float tanks before, but those are great. I, I want to so oh, man. bad. You have to use those. I've used those on Maui. They were helping me so much because I was interconnected with the tech. Yeah. And yes, use them if you can get access. And I know they have float float tanks everywhere nowadays, but. They had yeah. one here, but the place closed. Oh, I love them. I could stay in those things forever. I was yeah. thinking about making one of myself. Yeah, you probably could. I don't you know, think it's that like, hard. I think like just like getting like a a cement mixer, fill it up with a bunch of salt water, jump in there and close it off. You can probably get one online pretty cheap. I don't know, but I'm assuming you can. I don't know. I should probably look into it myself because I really like those. I used to jump in those like once a week. They're great. Wow. Yeah, I've always wanted to try one ever since I was a kid and watched that movie Altered States. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a classic movie. Love it that. is. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even show that movie anywhere anymore. I don't Not know, but it's on one TV. of my favorites. It's yeah. weird. It's like that movie never happened. Well, it happened where I come from because I remember it. And to <laughs> me, it seems like it can be very true in a sense of some of the things they were working on. They used to work with psychedelics too. Mm -hmm. And then the idea behind accessing at the cellular, almost like the atomic level, and the he was going backwards. I find it to be very probable in a sense that anything can happen. Hmm. Maybe that's why they've never done a remake of it. Well, now that you say it, you know they're going to, right? Because every time people say something, all of a sudden, oh, look, there's a remake. <laughs> they probably have one out there. But that was classic. That's one of my favorite films. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, so before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? Like, I know you're all over the place. 
I am. Unfortunately, I really, I, I want to have that erase me.com at some point, you know, where you just disappear. <laughs> erase me. No, um, but I, you can find me at my uh, website, Night Shadow Anomaly Detectives. And then, of course, I, I host Hyperspace at KCR on Friday nights at 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific. And you are invited to be a guest if you would like to be on. Oh, absolutely. Love to have you on. I'd love to do and also, it. Raven Star's Witching Hour, which is 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific on Saturdays at Revolution Radio. And they can find me there. So fantastic. And thank you for having me. This has been really fun. You're, you're very nice. Uh, very nice host. <laughs> thank you. I, I love I having you. you. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, yeah. You have rapid fire questions. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Okay, I can handle that because I'm used to rapid fire. So Are you? Well, I, yeah. you know, actually, I, I think of myself actually as slow. Yeah, but you were asking questions like really like boom, 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 boom. You're really good. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was fantastic, and you're definitely going to be back on again. That's for sure. Anytime. My pleasure. And uh, hang on for one second, and I'm just going to play my outro. Okay. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.